Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody? If it's mid-September, it must be U.S. Open week, hey? 2020 is a weird year, but we will take it. The second major championship upon us now at Wingfoot is going to be a massacre, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet, alongside, as always, Peter Jennings from Fantasy Labs here on the Action Network podcast, the golf edition, brought to you by MGM. As a reminder, all odds on the podcast, courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. And uh, because we've got a major championship coming up, Peter, we usually review the previous week and go over what we learned from this past weekend. And no offense to Stuart Sink, who was an awesome feel-good story with his son on the bag coming back from dealing with his wife's breast cancer for so long, such a, a lengthy battle. And 11 years after he defeated Tom Watson at Turnberry, at the Open Championship. A, a great feel-good story to kick off the what the PGA Tour is deeming a super season, a 50-event season coming up in 2020-2021. Love the story. It was awesome. We got a major championship, and I am fired up, and we got a lot to say about it. So let's get right to this thing, Peter. What's going on? On a scale of one to a million, how fired up are you for this U.S. Open this week? Hopefully over a million. Uh, that's <laughs> hopefully it. how much money I can win this week. Uh, I'm stoked. Uh, Stuart Singh, congrats. Uh, I do want to comment on that. Just I, I don't. I want to get to the major, but really cool to see his son on the bag. Awesome feel-good story that he won. You you said it perfectly. But, yeah, really excited for the U.S. Open. And uh, as always, I'm going to be on John Rahm. Over the last couple of years, I think the best player has been John Rahm, and I'm comfortable saying he should be the clear favorite this week. Surprise, surprise. Peter Jennings loves John Rahm. I will disagree with you there because I think DJ should be the favorite. I will not disagree with you because I've got John Rahm atop my list and he's my favorite outright play this week. See, I want to get more credit for it. I feel like last time we were both on Rahm at the BMW Championship and because you take Rahm so often, I feel like you got more credit for picking him that week than I did. I feel like if you're always on Rom, and I'm only sometimes on Rom, that if I pick him and he wins, that I deserve a little bit more credit just because I'm not on him all the time. I mean, I'm, I, I don't need the credit. I don't need the accolades. I don't want the tweets to me. I'm just, I'm just saying, Pete, I mean, if you pick the guy every week and he wins, you know, uh, every other week, then I, you're only running 50%. Yeah, broken clocks right twice a day. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that's applicable to me with John Rahm. But I, I do, I think, um, you know, John Rahm didn't come out strong during the COVID swing right off the bat, and people cut down on him. And he got cheap on DraftKings, cheap in the markets, and I was still uh, investing heavily, so it was nice to see it pay off. But, yeah, kudos to you, and um, hopefully no. we can hit, hit a winner this week. I mean, this is the week to do it. I mean, I, I think John Rahm is our, our, our both our favorites, but it should be awesome. I'm so excited. Wingfoot is an epic venue. There's going to be really good coverage of this event. You have the majority of the best players in the world. It's a major season. 
I was there in 2006. That last hour, hour and a half of golf was just a complete whirlwind. There were nine different guys in the last hour and a half. They're like, oh, maybe he's Patrick Harrington just needs to par in. Bogey, bogey, bogey. All right, well, it looks like it's going to be Colin Montgomery. Uh, Colin Montgomery uh, made a double. Uh, well, now, oh, the door's open. Finally, Phil Mickelson is going to win his USA. No, he hit one way left. All right, and now who's the last man? Jeff Ogilvy. Like, Jeff Ogilvy finished like an hour ago. Jeff Ogilvy just won the USA. Like, how did that even happen? I, what, like, he wasn't even one of those eight or nine guys we were thinking of before that. And all of a sudden, it's like the dust settles and Jeff Ogilvy has won at five over par. First of all, Peter, I expect a number right around there to win this again this week. Uh, secondly, I am targeting two very specific types of players this week, but they're complete opposite types of players. And, and I want to get into this because I, I think it's worth talking about a little bit. The U.S. Open for so many years was, this is the one for the little guy. This is the one for your Lee Jansons and your Corey Pavins and your Jim Furyk's, the guys who can plink it down the fairway, stay away from trouble, hit the greens, two putt for pars, and not make too many mistakes. That's changed. This ain't your father's U.S. Open anymore. And what we've seen over the last four years is Brooks Koepka win twice, Gary Woodland, Dustin Johnson, what do they all have in common? They're big, strong, athletic, muscular players. Basically, the theory that I have now is that everyone's going to miss the fairway. And so would you rather have Dustin Johnson missing the fairway eight times or Ches Reeve missing the fairway five times? And my theory is you might as well just have the big, strong guys. If you're all going to have to hit it out of five-inch, thick, heavy, rough, you might as well have the guys with those big Popeye forearms hitting those shots out of the rough. Now, the other side of this is that I love guys who hit it dead straight, too. And I don't think we can eliminate the guys who are short and straight. But I think you need to be one or the other. You need to either be an absolute bomber, a big, strong guy, even, even less than driving distance, just a big, strong guy, who can hack it out of the rough when he needs to, or you need to be a guy who's deadly accurate and barely ever in the rough. If you're, eh, I'm kind of long and I'm kind of straight, I just don't think those tweeners work this week, Peter. You know what? We're on the same page here, and I was actually looking at some of this and really thinking about it, and uh, based on the models, that actually kind of kind of shines through uh, what you're talking about. I'd add one thing. I think both those types of players matter. And then the one thing I hope applies to the players I like that are in either of those categories is good scrambling because people are going to miss a lot of greens. It's going to be tough. I mean, that's not, everyone knows that these U S opens are really tough, uh, especially with how we're looking at the rough and just the way the course is going to be set up. Uh, scrambling is at a premium and normally, I mean, certain weeks, obviously I'm looking at scrambling, but it's normally something I think that people might overweight. And this week I think it matters, but I totally agree. Uh, especially when you consider the guys who are the bombers, they're coming from the rough with more loft in their hands, which really matters. And like watching DJ hit out of the rough, it looks like the rough doesn't even bother him sometimes. Like he just has so much force and power. And you know, a lot of the strong guys are able to just hit so down on the ball and swing with so much speed. And when they have wedges in their hands or nine or eight irons, it's a lot easier than trying to hit like a six iron out of the rough. When you're crooked, Bryson being crooked still has a wedge in his hands hitting out of that thick rough. Ches Reevy or Brendan Todd hits one a little crooked He's trying to gouge a five iron out of there if he can even try it. Or he's or just, just giving up and saying, hey, I'm just going to wedge it to the fairway and then try to get up and down from there, which is yeah. what you see a lot. But, yeah, I agree with you, and, and it shows through in the numbers. I, I think that these guys who have a lot of power uh, really benefit uh, when they're in the rough because they can, you know, take these powerful hacks. And obviously it's not going to come out the same way every time. But, you know, if you get 30% more of the balls to kind of jump out of the rough, 
versus the guys who don't have the same swing speed, that's a huge advantage out here. So uh, I'm with you. I actually like almost all bombers uh, this week. Um, but there's a couple guys I like that are straight that we'll get into. Giddy up! Let's bet horses for courses. All right, well, let's start in this top tier. Obviously, we both like John Rom. I don't dislike Dustin Johnson, by the way. I've got him fifth on my list of uh, ranking the entire 144-man field. That is in no way a slight to Dustin Johnson. The one thing I don't like about DJ, and I'm willing to say it's all coincidence, but he has been a favorite or co-favorite pre-tournament at seven previous major championships. Of those seven, he has one top 25. He finished third a couple of years ago, and that's it. And other than that, he does not play well at a favorite. Now, I can't imagine that Dustin Johnson is the type of player who gets worried or cares or even knows that he's the favorite going into an event like this. He might not even know. He might not even think about it. It just doesn't even cross his mind. But it's a little too much history for me to ignore because in his seven previous major starts where he's not the favorite, he's played so much better. He's got a bunch of top finishes in those. So uh, I'm not quite fading DJ. I mean, moving him from first uh, you know, on the odds board to putting him fifth on my overall list, it's not exactly a fade, but he's not my favorite play. John Rahm is. We start looking down the, down the board. Justin Thomas, but sure. Rory McIlroy, sure. I get down to, to Xander Shoffley, though, and, and Xander's a guy I really like. I mean, you look at what he's done at major championships, 12 career starts, six career top tens. Again, it's another trend. It's another pattern. Uh, we should not be surprised by anything Xander does positively this week. Yeah, I mean, you're just stealing all my all my thunder here. This is exactly <laughs> what I agree with. I mean, I, I have DJ number two. Uh, I just think he's expensive in the markets. I think he should be right up the top. What he just did is incredible. Playing some of the best golf, not the best golf of his career. Uh, I like him a lot, but just don't like the pricing uh, in the markets. I prefer Rom straight up. So I'll be much more positioned there from DFS and betting. And then, yeah, I love Xander and Rory in the top tier, uh, specifically Xander. Uh, Rory, there's a couple outlier prices uh, on BetMGM. I will bet Rory and Xander in some top fives and top tens with the no dead heat rule. So those guys are, are really interesting. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if either of them played well and won. But, yeah, there could be carnage. And, and all these guys, one thing to look at with the make-miss cuts, like that's where somewhere, at, you know, I wouldn't mind taking DJ not to make the cut at like plus four or 500 or something. Same thing with basically any of these guys outside of ROM, just because there's some variance with uh, the way the course plays. And I do think it favors, obviously, the, the heart of the course. You know, normally that yields results from the best players. But these U.S. Opens, you can have a wayward hole and uh, I think there's potentially a little bit of value there. Uh, going down uh, in that next tier where I think you have a lot of guys, you have like Webb, Patrick Reed. I'd actually Tons. put Bryce. Yeah, I put Bryson in that category now, honestly, and that's kind of where he's priced, Morikawa, Matsuyama. I really like Patrick Reed, uh, and I haven't been on Patrick Reed nearly as much. Uh, I think he's playing well, uh, and he's always kind of just been someone that I'm not fading, but someone I don't have a huge investment in. This week, I could see having quite a bit of Patrick Reed, given the scrambling. I think his scrambling uh, and around the green play and just the overall kind of grinder that he is sets up extremely well for this U.S. Open. Well, the one thing I think we can look at this week, obviously there's not much course history. I mean, if you want to look back at 2006 and try to extrapolate something from that and say, well, Adam Scott did this or Tiger did that, I, I just wouldn't look at anything from 2006, quite honestly, as far as uh, the guys who are still playing. But what I think you can look at are other big, tough 
Northeast type courses starting yes. in the New York area and sort of working your way out. And I look at that first playoff event. Now the Northern Trust, what used to be the Barclays, uh, played in the New York area for so long. It's been at Bethpage a few times, been at uh, some other courses on Long Island and in, in the greater New York area, New Jersey, Plainfield. So you look at those places and, and you look at who's won those golf tournaments. Dustin Johnson's played very well in that event over the years. Patrick Reed has played very well. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Fowler has played very well. I don't love Dude, Ricky this week. He I is, love Ricky uh, this week, by the do way. Do you really? Yeah. Okay, well. I love Ricky. I love Ricky relative to where he's priced. Again, okay. the guy who I think, yeah, the swing changes are a little goofy, but give me these guys who are wizards around the greens and can grind out pars. I think Ricky is, uh, you know, I don't know necessarily believe in what he's doing with his total swing, but he's still really good around the greens, and uh, he just hasn't made a ton of birdies this year relative to kind of where he was in the past. So I, I, I like a setup like this. Uh, for Ricky in theory and he's dude Ricky is priced I mean he's way down there now like he's he's priced in some crazy ranges um, where I feel comfortable buying Ricky uh, in a couple spots well I'm glad you say that because I I don't disagree with anything you're saying there but I don't think you can show up at Wingfoot and find your game and, and oh, I'm looking at guys who are trending in the right direction and so yeah obviously the books are going to pay attention to those guys as well. The, the books are, are going to see some drift on, on the guys who are not playing very well coming into this. And, you know, you're going to be able to get a, a longer number on them. It's going to be a shorter number on the guys who have played well recently. I mean, the books know uh, everything that we know, certainly. And I, I look at Ricky Fowler, though, and I see that he does not have a top 10 since January, since week three of the previous PGA Tour season in this year. So, that's a lot of golf without seriously contending. I, I just don't feel like Ricky can show up, and not just Ricky, but really anyone that doesn't have their game right now can show up at Wingfoot and all of a sudden turn it on. I mean, Ricky's been 49th and missed cut in his last two starts. I know he's had swing changes and he's, he's trying to do some different things. It's, it's been a while now. Uh, I mean, at some point you look at Ricky Fowler and you say, he's just got to play better. And, and, and Ricky is a guy that, when he plays his best golf, he tends to be trending in the right direction. He tends to feed off some momentum and start playing really well. And, and I haven't seen that yet. So I'm not on him. But looking at that, that range, I, I do think there are some guys in that range that I really like. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, shorter prices than Ricky. But love Tony Finau. I just, uh, it's like a poker hand, Pete. I'm, I'm all in. I'm playing blind. I, I don't know whether I have the nuts or whether I'm bluffing. But uh, I'm, I'm pushing all my chips in on Tony Finau, and, and I have no idea what's going to happen. Dude, dude, you have to bet on Tony Finau for the rest of your life because if he wins and you don't have him, you yeah. will hate yourself forever. So you yes. just emotionally have to keep buying Tony Finau. And look, Tony's playing great. Only only concern with Tony is just always the putter. And, yeah, it is what no, it is. I, Maybe he gets hot. I don't trust him. I don't trust him standing over an eight-footer to take the lead on Sunday afternoon on the 14th hole. Not whatsoever. But – we talk about those big, strong guys who can hit it out of the rough, who, who have uh, what it takes to, to, you know, get a wedge into five-inch rough and get the ball to the green. And there, you know, I, there are maybe 10, 12 guys who I really trust yeah, to do that. Tony on was good basis. around the green, Tony's, too, by the way, you know, uh, in 2020. Yes. Soft hands, very good hands. So uh, I've got sort of my killer Fs lineup with Tony, with Tommy Fleetwood, who had a great ball striking week in Portugal last week, and Matthew Fitzpatrick who's played some tremendous golf in those two tough golf tournaments that 
that John Rahm has won the two toughest of the summer so far, the Memorial Tournament and the BMW Championship at Muirfield Village and Olympia Fields, which each of them played like mini major championships. I mean, they, if you just you slap a major in front of those names and you'd say, well, yeah, played really hard, and John Rahm was the best player. Matthew Fitzpatrick finished third and sixth of the two of those. So it shows you that he likes playing um, and competing when the score is closer to par. I, you know, you don't have to convince me on Fitzpatrick. We were talking a little bit before. He's someone that I think is a really, really strong play. He finished 16th in total strokes gained in 2020. Um, really had some great performances. Uh, has been an amazing putter. He did gain a ton of strokes putting, which normally I'm buying the opposite. I'm kind of buying the ball strikers and the bad putters. But with Fitzpatrick, I think it's very real. And he doesn't really have a weakness. Like, I guess the worst thing he did last year was scrambling, but historically he's been a much better scrambler than he was last year. So I bank on some nice regression around the greens and like his putting, I mean, has just been so, so good that, uh, you know, and he, I, I think he's truly one of those guys who's always going to be a pretty good putter. Um, so I, I like Fitzpatrick a lot. I think it's uh, long odds that you're seeing. And in general, there's probably a little bit of value on these. Uh, not that Fitzpatrick is, is a Euro player anymore, but, there's some really good Euro players. You just mentioned Fleetwood who played well. Um, some of these guys that are grinding it on the Euro tour uh, are at crazy prices uh, in top fives, top tens, uh, which again, uh, you don't have to pay ties on MGM, which I personally love. So I love betting those guys there. Um, who else in this range do you like? Cause I, I agree with you on these F names. Uh, Fitzpatrick probably be my favorite, um, but I think there's, you know, a lot of good names here. I, I like Louis Oosthuizen uh, and Eric Van okay. Royen a lot as well. Okay, I can be sold on that. Uh, tough not to like Daniel Berger. We talk about guys coming in on heater, and Daniel Berger's been on a three, four-month heater right now. He's playing really, really good golf. Uh, Peter, I, I mean, a little little question for you. See so, yeah, how well you know me. Um, and and it, it's based on how I term this, too. But do you know what my favorite bet was for this week? You were going to bet DeChambeau initially. I remember that. Yeah, I, I'd been on DeChambeau for a while. Um, Your favorite bet was? You were going to be on it too, I bet. Scotty Scheffler. Oh, Scheffler, yeah, duh. Top Scheffler. five of this golf tournament. Scotty Scheffler has been top five in three of his last four starts. That includes a major, a WGC event, and a playoff event. He played really well at East Lake uh, in his last start. He's a former USGA champion. He won the Junior Am. I believe seven years ago. I mean, it was just like the He's stars a were aligned for Scotty Scheffler to go out and have a really serious title contention. He was going to be in the top five of my ranking of the entire field. And then he got COVID and tested positive and he won't be there. In fact, uh, throw Sam Horsfield in there too. I kind of like Sam Horsfield for top 30, top 40 bets. I originally yeah. had him in my preview this week for uh, top forties and I don't have him anymore, but Talking about some of those Europeans, the other Europeans that I do like, Rasmus Hogard, 19-year-old kid who's won a couple times already on the European tour. I, I, I get that he's young. I get that he's playing his first one, um, and he doesn't have much experience over here, but I like him to do something. Just Maybe it's just a made cut, but I, I, I like him. I think there's some value there. And then, Peter, I'm going to give you a name because I know you like Thomas Peters. I'm yep. going to give you Thomas Peters light, like sort of – how can I put this? Uh, if you like White Claw, I've got some Truly for you. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's ba basically one of those, like, it's the same thing, but just it, it's packaged a little bit differently. Sure. Um, although it's almost packaged the same because they have the same name. They're from the same country. Thomas Dietrich, 
I'm yeah. just getting a lot of Thomas Dietrich vibes this week. And this guy is 27, plays college golf in Illinois, just like Peters, from Belgium, just like Peters, hits it a long way, just like Peters. Peters has played well in the U.S. Open before. Dietrich has never played in a major. I think he's got to be chomping at the bit to get out there. He's been all everything on the European tour and just can't scrape out that first victory. I like him for potentially a first-round leader bet, and we're, we're taping this before we see the tee time. So don't know if he's got an early tee time, which would probably help, but uh, maybe a potential first-round leader and, and sprinkle some top 30s, top 20s, maybe even top 10s on Thomas Dietrich this week. I like that quite a bit. I like all these Euros, man. I, I think that there's a lot of value in them. They're grinding over there in the Euro Tour, and there's a couple of these elite guys that you see really short numbers on in the Euro Tour, and now you're getting them at crazy odds, which obviously we have the best players in the world. And when you have DJ and Rom and Rory and Xander and Morikawa and all these, like, of course, they're going to be really long odds. But that doesn't stop you with these uh, place bets. And uh, I think there's some value across the board. I like Romain. Is that, is that, is that how you say it? Is it Lenquist? Romain Langosk. Oh, yeah, see. I believe. I'm going to let you keep, keep up with the names. But, yeah. <laughs> Waring, I really like Perator. I'm I'm butchering the names. Fox. Peritore. Peritore. Okay. I feel good about pronouncing Fox. Uh, I like <laughs> him by the numbers. So those are some those are some interesting bets, and I think that they're just not priced appropriately because you know these odds makers aren't seeing them uh, on the PGA Tour, and uh, you know the average person who's betting this stuff, they're betting the the names that they know, and that's not the Euro guys. So I think there's a lot of value uh, in those guys as long shots, but I don't want to skip over. You know, some longer odds just in general. You name Thomas Peters, I really like him. And one other guy I like a lot is Poston this week. Uh, okay. Who are some longer odds guys that you like? I'm going to give you another one, and he fits the bill of everything we've been talking about. Jason Kokrak. Oh, yeah. Has been playing well. Let's see. I'm going to pull up Jason Kokrak as we speak right now. Sixth at the BMW Championship, 13th at the Northern Trust, 15th at the Wyndham in his last three starts. That, my friends, is trending in the right direction. And Peter, I did this piece. It took me hours. I, I don't know if people understand. Like, there's not like a, there's not like a database, like a button where you just say, okay, I want this, 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 and this, and you press it, and it spits out some numbers, and, and you write a, a piece about it. I, I went and dug and did some big time research on what I did was found the twelve toughest tournaments uh, as far as scoring on the PGA Tour over the last three years. Typed in all their score, all the players' scores, all the players in the U.S. Open this week, found scoring average from every player who's played at least 10 rounds and is in the field this week. And I went down the list, and I looked at who has the best scoring averages in those really tough events. And and it's not all just you. There's only one U.S. Open on the list. You know, there's a PGA Championship. There's there's a Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. The one that Patrick Cantley won. Apparently, it was really windy. There was tough scoring. Who would have known? But there's a CJ Cup in there. I mean, it was some random tournament. So it's not just who plays well at the majors. It's who plays well when scoring is closer in relation to par. Tommy Fleetwood was atop the list. Justin Thomas was right there. Webb Simpson. Dustin Johnson was up there, but Jason Kokrak was pretty high. I was surprised at how high he was on the list. I like Kokrak a lot this week. I, I love Kokrak, and I love those bombers. I, I, I agree with you, though, off the bat. Uh, you know, we haven't hit on any of the straight, kind of the less sexy type players um, in terms of just, like, making a bunch of birdies, hitting it a long ways, but more of the grinders and the straight guys, and I think there's a couple guys that make a lot of sense there. 
Uh, Brendan Todd comes to mind off the bat just with how straight he's been and how good at scrambling he's been. I think he's pretty nice, but he's more expensive than I initially thought he would be coming off a, you know, a great season. The guys who I think haven't been as good that are normally kind of the guys you go to in this range uh, actually show a, a decent bit of value to me. Guys like Matt Kuchar, who is showing, yeah. I like some really nice value, yeah. especially in those place bets. You don't like Kuchar, <laughs> do you? No. Hate yeah. You. Here's another one that I bet you hate that I, the model really likes. Kuchar, by the way, Matt Kuchar has reached the point of his career, and, and Steve Stricker got there years ago. There's some other ones where – and I take nothing away from it. Like, this is not – don't mean this in a gender bias kind of way. Don't take it this way. But – in the stage of their careers where their wives are caddying for them. And, and I don't care if it's a, you know, it's a friend, it's a buddy. It's, you know, Tiger went through a stage where he had Brian Bell, his best friend from back home caddying for when, when it's just like, ah, I don't know. I just need someone to carry the bag, whatever. I, I have That's a hard fair. time backing you. If you have a hard time backing yourself, how's that sound? That's fair. And the numbers aren't, the numbers aren't looking at that at all. But uh, if you just <laughs> have a player that fits that mold that, I, and again, this is all price dependent. Here's the other one that I was really surprised to see standing out that used to be, you know, when we had these situations, maybe not at U.S. Open specifically, but where you want the guy who hits a dead straight, the guy who's going to hit every fairway, he's going to pull out that three wood and just smash it down the middle every time. I know who you're going to say. Henrik Stenson. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's, a, that's an interesting one. I was surprised to see kind of his pricing – but, yeah, he's interesting to me. Uh, you know, I think it's tricky. Um, Kuchar, you kind of got me a little bit worried about him, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, I almost everything else is these bomber guys. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think uh, we want to be looking to these bombers a lot more. And uh, I'm specifically interested in some of these young, talented Euro guys that you've named off. We have mentioned a lot of Europeans without perhaps two of my favorites. Um, they're not young guys. They're not bombers. But they are guys who have played well at the U.S. Open in the past. Westwood? Martin Keimer. I'll get to – okay. There's the two of them. Martin Keimer, a former U.S. Open champion he just, who just took all the life out of the 2014 U.S. Open. I mean, we were – it was going to be a fun week back-to-back with the, the Women's Open at Pinehurst number two. It was going to be great. And then Keimer goes out, and he's leading by like 33 shots after the second round. And you're like, all right, I guess. I remember going, going to, to the course during the weekend, and it was like – it just felt like a regular event. Like all the drama was out of it. Like we're just kind of like, all right, I guess we're, you know, just kind of, you know, not worrying too much about who's going to win. Cause it was a foregone conclusion really. Um, but Keimer is back to playing good golf. Once again, he looks happy. Keimer's a guy who isn't always happy with playing golf. I, I don't get the sense that, that he loves the game all the time, which I, you know, I would say that's probably 95% of players out there, but it looks like he's having a lot more fun right now playing the game. He's a really good guy and, and a really good player when his mind is right. And I think his mind is right right now. And I would say the same exact thing for Lee Westwood. Peter, back in, what was it, February, March, March, uh, I was at the Honda Classic. And Lee Westwood was playing pretty well. And after the second round, I think it was, uh, I went over and spoke with him for a few minutes. And I gave, you know, the usual post-round interview, but he was, he was chatty. He was funny. He was relaxed. And afterwards, I basically said that to him. We talked for about five minutes with some other reporters, and then he kind of started walking away. I said, Lee, I've never seen you like this. You're, you look like you're so just happy right now. And he said, I am. He goes, you know what? If I didn't feel like playing this tournament this week, I wouldn't play. He's like, I just do what I want whenever I want to do it. And it's great. Life is awesome. And he had this big smile on his face, and I, I, I didn't say it to him, but I immediately thought, and I will say it was for the Open Championship, but I thought – this is guy, a, a guy who's going to contend for a major and maybe win a major when we least expect it. 
at the age of, what is he, 42, 43 right now. With no open championship, I, I, obviously he can't do that, but um, this is the next closest thing, and I would not be surprised to see Lee Westwood in the mix this weekend. Love that. I think that's really sharp, and uh, hopefully he plays well. Uh, I'm excited, too. We have all the – you know, with the major, you have all these betting options. There's all these different props and, you know, things like, of course, somebody betting like Corey Connors to be the top Canadian, all that stuff. Uh, so it's great to have that. And DraftKings has a millionaire maker. I was a little disappointed uh, at the overall sizing of the, the golf contest, but still should be a really fun week. And uh, I'm excited for the coverage, too. We're going to have great coverage uh, here for the U.S. Open. Oh, we've got so much stuff. Uh, go to our content on the Action Network and Golf Bet. Uh, we've got so much for everybody this week. Um, yeah, really excited about it. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Before we get to our ultimate DFS lineup, which I, I can't wait because this is going to be really fun to do, uh, let's talk a little bit about fades because we haven't talked about fades. I mentioned earlier that the Scheffler bet was going to be my favorite bet of the week, betting him for top fives and top tens, but he is not in the field. So my new favorite bet of the week is Jordan Spieth at plus 120 to miss the cut this week. Peter, I know you're on you my stole side. Stole my – how are you – how are you – what are you, stealing my bet here? I mean, the only thing I'll I say – I just know you, but yes. They, I mean, I, okay, so let me set this up for you first. And we all know that Jordan is struggling, but I did um, an interview with uh, Taylor Zarzer on the starter on SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio earlier today. And he started out a question about Spieth by saying, you know, he made a double bogey on his final hole on Friday or else he would have only missed the cut at the Safeway Open by a few shots. I mean, that, that sentence itself is just like leaves you scratching your head like uh, I, he, he was going to miss it by a few shots anyway and then he made double and, that, and it's only the Safeway and now he's going to wing foot. Like, come on. I mean, it's just plus money to miss the cut. I love Jordan. Uh, his parents are awesome. His brother and sister are awesome. I've gone fishing with the family. I, it's a great family. I hope he starts playing well. I'm rooting for him to play well. I don't think he'll play well this week. I just can't see him finding something this week. Yeah, I mean, golf's in a better place uh, when he's playing well. And, you know, it's got to be so frustrating. I mean, he went from winning everything, you know, just on top of the world. And, you know, the nice thing for him is he's, he, you know, he's done so well, you know, off the course that uh, he's set up. And, and I know that – a huge part of his motivation in life is playing good golf and it's got to be just infuriating. But from a betting perspective, uh, you have to let all that go and just look at the numbers and the data. And Jordan Spieth is one of the worst players off the tee on the PGA tour. And uh, it's very hard to contend, um, especially this week with the rough being the way it is. I mean, he cannot find the fairway and that's been the case for, you know, a long time now. So uh, the one 
argument against what we both like, I, I think it's a good bet to bet him to, to miss the cut, is that, you know, around the greens, Spieth is as special as it gets. I mean, he still flopped in an unbelievable up and down. Uh, not even up and down. He just flopped it in in a spot that, like, getting up and down looked extremely challenging from. Still a wizard, just the way he's able to hit those creative shots. Like, he still has all that going for him. But I just don't see him playing well if you're not in the fairway. Like, obviously, people are going to miss the fairway. But if you're missing the fairway, like, half the time, like he is basically right now, it's going to be really hard to put up a decent score at Wingfoot. Any other big fades from you this week? I'm looking down the list, and I mean, yeah, okay, I don't love Phil Mickelson. I'm not putting 45K on, on Phil to win this week. By the way, Peter, how, how good would it be if it came out that the bet was placed by Phil? <laughs> that he looked at it and said, ah, you only get like, what, 1.8, 1.9 for winning the Open? And, you know, I, I put this bet in, I win 3.3 more. Yeah, that would be like just over five mil. It's about half of what I took off Tiger uh, in the match a couple of years ago. Yeah, that would be good. I'll take that. That would be awesome. And, of course, Phil was asked about it after his final round of the Safeway Open. What do you think about being 75-1 to 1 for the U.S. Open next week? And Phil's answer, eh, well, I, I wouldn't know. I'm not much of a gambler. <laughs> that's such a, such a classic line. Answer, I mean, he's ever. incredible. Phil is just oh, so awesome. good for the game, and uh, that would be an incredible story. I don't think the guys are allowed to bet on themselves, but uh, no. it would be great if that, that somehow came out and didn't get him in trouble. But, yeah, Phil's the best, and uh, – Man, he's if he could ever be in the booth, I mean, how how lucky would we all be? He's just he's hilarious and uh, so good for the game of golf. In terms of fades, uh, I have a very unusual one. I'm really bearish relative to the market. I actually have Patrick Reed ahead of this guy. Uh, you'll be shocked to hear this. So I'm not a one trick pony. Who do you think I, I'm short? A guy that I'm always on. Colin Morikawa is being yeah. faded by Peter Jennings. I am not going to have Colin Morikawa, and I've been on – basically every week I have some sort of bet on him. Um, have you filed the divorce papers already? It's not a divorce. I just don't think this is necessarily the best setup. Uh, he just some time away? I think he's – I think – I mean, listen, I still have him as one of the better players in the field. I, I think I have him like seventh or oh, – let's see. Where do I have him? I have him as the eighth best player in the field. Okay. But he's listed as like the sixth or seventh, and you know you can get Patrick Reed uh, at a much better price, uh, and I'll be taking him uh, over Morikawa. And I think the reason, listen, Morikawa is an incredible player. I think he's really great. I think there's certain spots where I want as much Morikawa as I possibly can. The concern for me with Morikawa is he's still not that great around the greens. That's fair. That's fair. Like he, I mean, he's going to hit more. Like, like, he's the but... best iron player. He's super straight. I love Morikawa. He was wildly underrated. And if Morikawa is ranked and priced as the 10th best player, I'd be all in on him. But where he's kind of moved up to in the betting markets, he's yep. so expensive now. Like, you, it sucks. Like, I used to be able to bet Morikawa and play him in DFS every single week. Now I have to pick my spots a little bit better. And I, I do think people will be attracted to him because it's like, oh, he's straight coming off a major. But – I really think it's important to be good around the greens this week. And, and at I think, some point there has to be some regression too. I mean, the guy just won a major, uh, what, four or five weeks ago. He, he's not, you wouldn't think, going to go out and win another major so quickly. I, I, I can see a good week for Morikawa without it being a great week. And, again, he's a West Coast guy. you got to remember, like, this is a guy who's in college just over a year ago who, you know, okay, he's played in the Northeast. It's not like he's unfamiliar with it, not like he can't figure it out, but – uh, Harding Park was very much a home game for him as opposed to Wingfoot, which is a place that he's going to have to learn a little bit going into this one. Yeah, and I should say, like, he last year ended up having really good stats around the green. And I shouldn't say good. He was average around the green. Last year, if you look at his stats, he was 14th overall uh, in strokes gained total, fifth tee to green, second in approach. 
but he's 93rd around the green, 128th in putting. I think his putting will get better, and I think he'll continue to work on those shots. But think about it, too. Like, if you're hitting that many greens and, like, playing the golf that Morikawa does where it's just, like, fairway, hit it close, hopefully make the birdie putt, like, you just don't get as much practice in tournaments, uh, you know, around the greens. So uh, that that's that's going to be different this week at, at Wingfoot and the way the course is set up. And, listen, I love Colin Morikawa. I feel terrible even saying anything bad. I just – I don't like where he's priced relative to other weeks. The, the analysis is fantastic, Pete. I, I love it that Colin Morikawa does not get to hit as many short game shots from around the greens because he hits too many greens. We, we don't like Morikawa because he hits too many greens in reg. I'm trying to make, so I'm trying to make something up to It's fair. I, I it's his only weakness. It's his only weakness. That's fine. That's fine. All right, we're going to get to our ultimate DFS lineup in just a second. But first, we are extremely excited to announce that the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM is now live. This is a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for our podcast listeners, and you can join by simply clicking on the link in our episode description. The top 10 finishers each week receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes, and the top five finishers each week Punch their ticket to the wild card weekend grand finale where they'll compete for a grand prize, a Vegas trip for two, valued at over $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join this tournament every week of the NFL regular season. Just click on the link in our episode description. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Uh, let's get to the DFS lineup. Um, I can't wait for this. I will be firing a ton of DFS lineups, as I do every week, but uh, especially this week. And I, I think that we can find some guys a little bit off the radar that we like this week that um, you know might be pretty low-owned, and, uh, and we can be a little contrarian this week. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose-to-nose with him, and you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. So uh, where do you want to start with this one? I want to start with Rom. I mean, he's our top player in the field. It's just an obvious first pick for us. So it's a broken record, but I just talked about Morikawa and how he has one little weakness that I'm sure will get better over time. You look at John Rom; he has zero weaknesses. None. Yes. Best player in the world, I think. I agree. I, I love it. Uh, I have no other comments on it other than I feel like there are enough guys that we like further down the list that I can take Xander Shoffley right here at 10,100. Well, you're speaking my language. I mean, I love I, We Zander. both I mean, like Xander. Xander. Let's put week. him in the lineup. That leaves us 28-9 for the final four players, 72-25 per player. I think that's okay. I think we can find some names down here. In fact, I know a few names who I like. So uh, where are you going with this one? Really like Fitzpatrick this week, but let's save some money. Um, you might still be able to get him. We'll, we'll see if we can go back to him. I'm going to go Corey Connors at 6,900. Again, guy can't putt, struggles around the green, so I, it kind of goes. He's similar to Morikawa, just a diluted version, but, man, he's long and hits the ball so good that uh, I'll take a premium ball striker at 6,900. I am going just $100 less than that, Jason Kokrak. Trending in the right direction, plays tough golf courses really well, hits it a long way. He basically ticks every box for me this week. 
that puts us in position to take Fitzpatrick, I think. I'm fine with that. In fact, do you want me to take the last guy and, and show you how much money I'm going to leave you? I'm, well, no, if I take Fitzpatrick, that leaves us that's, – that's five of our six. I, I might be leaving you a lot more money than that. We have Rob. Would you rather have Fitz or would you rather have a Fleetwood or a Matsuyama or a Finau or Berger or somebody up there? Sounds like you have a lot of conviction in who you're going to take. So you go I, for it. You can go first. I really like – first of all, I really like Thomas Dietrich this week. Secondly, I think he's going to be like 1% owned. Yeah. I mean, unless we just all of a sudden have 2 million people watching this podcast right now or listening to us. I, I just think that there are not going to be a whole lot of people on Thomas Dietrich. He's made 12 of 13 cuts on the European Tour. He, he's been second – in two of his last four starts. I mean, the guy just shows up week in, week out. I like the guy. I'm playing a little bit of a hunch, but uh, it's based on some numbers, based on some stats as well. He's at 6,500 on DraftKings. If we throw him into the lineup right now, we've got 8,700 left. All right, so it's not quite some of the guys I mentioned, but it gets on guys that I love. It's Tiger Woods, it's Patrick Reed, who I know you like, it's Justin Rose, or you just go Fitz and leave a whole bunch of money on the table. No, I'm going Patrick Reed, who I like way more than Fitz. I really like Patrick Reed this week. I think he's a phenomenal DFS play. I think he's a great betting play. And we didn't talk any Tiger. That's another guy that I guess I would be probably selling. Again, his ball striking looks good, but, man, he's he's not – he's struggling with the putter and his chipping has been questionable at times, which I don't know what to think about Tiger. I hope he plays well. I mean, speed is good for the game, but talk about the best case for golf oh, is Tiger sure. plays well. Yeah, like that's, Tiger, you, Tiger, you know that better than anyone. Going out and playing well. I, look, I, I will say the same thing for Tiger that I said for Ricky, that I said for Jordan, which is if you don't have your game packed in your suitcase, ready for Wingfoot, you ain't going to open up your suitcase and find your game. It, it's just not going to be there. And so I, I just don't know how Tiger shows up at the U.S. Open and, and finds it. I, I think Tiger can show up at Augusta National in two months and for sure find his game on Monday afternoon and say, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go win here and, and it, or at least contend. I, I don't think that Tiger can do it at a place like Wingfoot, which take 2006 out of the equation. He was six weeks removed from his father's passing. He said afterwards he shouldn't have even played that week. I believe it was a pair of 76s before he missed the cut. Um, it'll be better than that, but no, it's, I, I just can't see Tiger all of a sudden turning it on this week and playing so much better, uh, than he has been over the last uh, month or two. Yeah. Well, I love this team. I'm happy we got Patrick Reed who I, I li- like, um, your pick was even better because I like Fitzpatrick, but I love Patrick Reed. So, all right, well, let's go down the list for, for everyone to, uh, to jot down and copy and, and, uh, and share these winnings with us. John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Reed. Corey Connors, Jason Kokrak, Thomas Dietrich. Uh, there's some differentiation in this thing, isn't there? We left 200 on the table. I, I can't imagine that if we weren't doing this lineup on the podcast where people are listening saying, oh, I might, you know, I might duplicate that. Is, are we getting any dupes off this lineup? No chance. Yeah. Dietrich is going to be low-owned. I think Kokrak will be low-owned. I think Corey Connors has a chance to be low-owned. Yeah, Rom will probably soak up a little bit of ownership. I'm curious to see where Patrick Reed comes in um, and, and also on Xander. But, yeah, very unique. And I think you can get a lot of unique guys at the Euro. And, man, Jason, we're going to be recording a podcast here, like, tomorrow, it feels like, for the Masters. Like, how good of a place are we in right now for golf? It's just – it's freaking awesome. By the way, the last U.S. Open played in September was in 1913. Francis we met won that one. He was a caddy who lived across the street from the country club in Brookline. What kind of number could you have gotten on Francis we met back in 1913, 107 years ago, Pete? 
Oh man. Oh, I mean, he wouldn't even be in my model. I'd be, I'd have some chicken scratch or something like that, trying to figure out how to fit. He was going to play well. So that's you would have had him. I, I have no doubt that his name would not have come up on our 1913 us open preview podcast. And then when we talk the next week, you'd be like, Oh yeah, we had a lot of shares of, we met last week. Somehow we just, we picked him up after round one. We knew he was going to, uh, he was going to be in this thing. I, I would have been the guy. Yeah. That that's the worst case for me. If the if the no namer just screams up the leaderboard, I'm I'm buying the bigger names and fading that. And if uh, that guy holds strong, good for him. And yeah, what a time to be alive in the sports schedule. Uh, football, great week one, U.S. Open, and yeah, the Masters is going to be here before we know it. So much fun, uh, loving every minute of it. And uh, this was a blast, Pete. I, I can't wait to uh, to get underway for this. Uh, this U.S. Open, the 120th U.S. Open Championship at Wingfoot. For Peter Jennings, I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks so much for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Good luck this week to everybody betting the U.S. Open. Here's hoping you hit the green. Bet MGM.